I deeply regret that I can't be with you live this last Sunday of this memorable year. As you were told, we had to quarantine due to being exposed to someone who has become symptomatic. I'm grateful to everyone who assisted this morning and grateful to each of you for your prayers, encouragement, and service throughout this year. Now, just to recap, it's been a joy to minister the Word to you throughout this year. Uh, I'm so grateful that though we have not been able to be together, technology, uh, with the help of Nathan Titus and his crew, have enabled us to share many deep times and rich times in God's Word. In 2020, looking back, we finished the book of Romans by the book of May, and then in June we turned to our summer spiritual heritage series in which we studied Joseph chapters 37 to 50. And then, as you remember most recently, we took up the study of the Beatitudes at the opening of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 called Happiness, God's Way. And then, just the last couple of weeks, looking at two of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. Today's sermon, as we close the year, is a rare topical message, but as always, rooted in Scripture. What a difference a day makes. You know, what a remarkable change that happens between December 25th and 26th. Suddenly, the Christmas music disappears from all the radio stations, and the sense of anticipation is replaced either by relief or disappointment. Your local Rite Aid, CVS, and Walgreens will quickly replace the tinsel and bows with Valentine's cards and candies. And by the 26th, people will be returning their unwanted items and spending their gift cards. It's a dramatic shift indeed. Now, many of you will remember the book entitled The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. It's subtitled How Little Things Can Change, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference, rather. It discusses how the small things have started such things as epidemics and fashion trends. Tipping points, he says, have three things in common. Contagiousness, it spreads. Second, a little cause has a big effect. And third, the change happens quickly in one dramatic moment. After such an event, things are never the same again. The coming of Jesus Christ is the tipping point of history. Ever since that time, we number our years A.D., Anno Domine, Year of Our Lord. And today we're going to be looking at what a difference a day makes. And a very brief text today from Luke chapter 2. It'll be familiar to, do, to you because we have heard it read several times over the last couple of weeks. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This is God's holy word. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born... This day, today, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us to uh, focus on the glory of your coming once again to see what a difference that day made. And we look forward, our God, by your Spirit's presence to help us, not just to understand, uh, but to be changed and transformed. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
It had been a day that people were looking forward to for some time, as you know, the day of the coming of the Messiah, and now it had become a reality. But if you think about seismic days, the Bible is known for such days. For example, the day when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and plunged humanity under the curse of sin, and the day when God gave the first gospel promise. Then there was the day when the Lord made the covenant with Abraham and promised to this old man and his aged wife that even in their old years they would have a child and that their offspring would then become as numerous as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the heavens and that they were promised a land that their descendants would take possession of one day. And then there was the day when the first Passover was sacrificed and God's people were delivered from their centuries-long bondage in Egypt. And then there was the day, a single day, when the people of Israel passed through the Jordan River when the waters were parted and they crossed into the promised land, that land promised to Abraham hundreds of years earlier. There was a very important day every year in the Israelite calendar It was known as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the day when the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice for the atonement of the people's sins. But this day, the days, this day that the shepherds were told about, seismic indeed, this day, today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Though we can not identify the exact day. There was a date. You could have circled it on your calendar. This was the D-Day that the prophets wrote about, as we've seen over the past couple of weeks. This was D-Day of the rescue mission for humanity. And who came? The angel said, a Savior. He was the one who came to save his people from their sins, thus his name, Jesus. He was the Christ. He was the anointed one. He is the messianic king promised to David. He is the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. And the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled, therefore. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel, God with us. And that verse in Isaiah brings together the fact of the virgin birth, And the reason for the virgin birth, that he had to be miraculously conceived so that he could be the God-man conceived and born without sin. If he had a sinful nature, then he could not have been our substitute. If he could not have been our substitute, then he could not be our redeemer. If he was not our redeemer, we would have no forgiveness. If we have no forgiveness, we have no hope. That's why that day was so important. In terms of his nature... Augustine said, man was added to him, God not lost to him. He emptied himself not by losing what he was, but by taking to him what he was not. G.I. Packer says, the Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think of it, the more staggering it gets. And George Whitfield. Jesus was God and man in one person, that God and man might be happy together again. And his identity, his arrival on that day was confirmed by his life and ministry. 
They were so great and so many. John wrote in the 21st chapter, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And his identity was confirmed by innumerable life-changing days in the lives of people he met. That single day led to many other life-changing days. There was the woman who was already suffering the prejudice of those who looked down on her because she was a Samaritan. But added to that the shame of having five husbands and now living with a man who was not her husband. She came to draw water one day, and there she met Jesus. She met this man who knew all about her, but a man who was more than a man, a man who was more than a prophet, a man who was the promised Messiah, the seeking Savior, seeking a lost sheep. It was a day that changed her life forever. The Gospel of John reports that she left her water jar and went away into the town and said to her people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town, and they believed too. What a difference that day made in her life. And there was a tax collector who was hated by his neighbors and probably by his own family by betraying his own people, by being a representative of the government of Rome by being a tax collector. And one day, this man climbed a tree because Jesus had come to town. And Zacchaeus looked up in the tree, excuse me, Jesus looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, I must come and stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord after they had eaten, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restored fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What a difference that day made in his life. And there was a man who had probably been a loser all his life. While some men may hope to die quietly in their sleep, this man's death was a spectacle for thousands gathered in Jerusalem. He's described in Luke's gospel as a criminal, literally an evildoer. What path led him to this destination, we do not know. Likely that he took a wrong turn with the wrong people early in his life. What specific offense he committed that day to lead him to being executed, we do not know. Beside him was a man also condemned to die, but he was unlike any criminal he'd ever seen. He forgave his executioners. He asked a friend to take care of his mother. When the other criminal challenged the man to save himself, this man somehow found himself defending him and then believing in him. And he was told, today, you will be with me in paradise. This day, the last day of his life, was told, today you will be with me in paradise. What a difference this day makes. And so when Christ came into the world, it means all the difference, not just for a repentant criminal, but for all who will believe in him. That day that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It's a day that Zechariah the prophet talked about 
Very specifically, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 9. When he looks forward, he says, I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. That was the day of the atonement fulfilled. And it was only possible because of the day the shepherds were told about. Without the birth of Christ, there could be no atonement. Arthur Custance makes this fascinating point in one of his books about Christ's death. Only an immortal being is free to surrender life voluntarily as an act of self-sacrifice. All acts of human self-sacrifice made by mortal creatures constitute only a choice of the time of dying for death, for death must come sooner or later in any case. Every purely human sacrifice is, after all, only a premature death, a shortening of life. Mortals can surrender a few years of expected life, but this is all they can do. Jesus did not merely choose the time to die. He was in a position to choose whether to die at all. He was under no sentence of death. That's why the psalmist explains that no ordinary man can by any means redeem his brother because he's under the same sentence of death. For us to be saved, we need a Redeemer who is truly representative of us as a man, but who is under no sentence of condemnation. No, He gave His life voluntarily, but He was a spotless Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And on that cross, He cried out as He was about to die, it is finished, paid in full. But that led to another seismic day the day that He rose again from the the dead, the day that He conquered sin, death, and the grave, that day that was also foretold by the prophets, all made possible by the day the shepherds were told about. Today, in the city of David, is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And there have been many life-changing days Since that, one of the most well-educated men of his day, who had studied the classics in his hometown of Tarsus, then traveled to Jerusalem as a young man to study with Gamaliel, the most prominent rabbinical, rabbinical teacher of his day. But he heard about this group of people who were following Jesus of Nazareth, and he began to persecute them, have them thrown into prison, and even oversee their executions. But one day, as he was hunting down more Christians, he met the risen Lord face to face. He will never forget that day. His life was changed forever. So instead of a persecutor, he became the propagator of the Christian faith. What a difference a day makes. There's a mathematician and philosopher named Blaise Pascal who coined the phrase, there's a God-shaped vacuum in everyone which only God can fill. On November 23rd, 1654, that day, his horse bolted and plunged off a bridge. He was thrown into the roadway, and that night, he was converted. And that would then place his scientific work in second place behind his love for his Lord. What a difference a day makes. There's a composer whose music continues to be heard everywhere around the world, J.S. Bach. The original BWV, 
not BMW, by the way, BWV, the Bach Werke Verzeichnis, the Bach Works Catalog consists of 1,128 compositions, including more than 200 cantatas. At the end of each cantata, he would write, Soli Deo Gloria, or the initials SDG, meaning for the glory of God alone. His works grew from his faith. And the people who studied Bach believe that there are thousands of other works that were yet undiscovered. Sir Isaac Newton entered the University of Cambridge where he came face to face with his sins. Sir Isaac Newton, if you read about him, was a very mischievous young man. Then he went to Cambridge and he listed his sins including threatening my father and mother Smith to burn them and the house over them. That's pretty serious, I'd say. And he wrote, setting my heart on money, learning, and pleasure more than thee. He was converted at Cambridge. And his work, Principia Mathematica, laid out a new understanding of the heavens and the earth, including the discovery of the laws of gravitation. It quickly entered into scientific curriculum. Mathematician and physicist Stephen Hawking called Newton a colossus without parallel in the history of science. Science, Newton said, cannot explain who sets the planets in motion. God governs all things. Newton saw science as a garden that God wanted him to cultivate. And so many of his pioneering discoveries as coming from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He saw an intelligent designer behind the order of the universe, sustaining creation, and he described atheism as senseless. And you probably don't know that Sir Isaac Newton uh, not only was the first scientist ever to be knighted, but that he wrote more than a million words on biblical topics. It's because of that day that he met his Savior. And then a writer, formerly a skeptic, but then was surprised by joy when he believed in Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis became one of the most influential advocates for Christianity in the 20th century. He writes, you must picture me alone in that room at Magdalen, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet, that which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant curved convert in all England, and yet he titled the story of his conversion, Surprise by Joy. What a difference that day made. And you can look at the difference in so many different ways that the day of Christ's coming made in history. This year we celebrated the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower Compact, written by the pilgrims as they landed in the New World. And they wrote, in the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, have, having undertaken this task for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. And many of us, many of our forefathers came to this country, into this very land for religious freedom. 
one of the reasons we can read is because of the public school system that was created originally to teach children to read the Bible. But even if somehow you had gotten a basic education, there might be something, there might not be something known as higher education. Most colleges and universities here and in Europe were founded to train men for gospel ministry, including Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. For example, an early brochure for Harvard published in 1643 justified its colleagues, the college's existence with these words, to advance learning and perpetuate it to posterity, dreading to leave an illiterate ministry to the churches. And according to Quincy's History of Harvard, the exercises of the students had the aspect of a theological rather than a literary institution. They were practiced twice a day in reading the scriptures, giving account of their proficiency and experience in practical and spiritual truths, accompanied by theoretical observations on the language and logic of the sacred writings. They were carefully to attend to God's ordinances and be examined on their profiting, commonplacing the sermons, and repeating them publicly in the hall. Sounds like Harvard today, don't you think? I don't think so. What about public hospitals? Public hospitals did not exist until the advance of the gospel through the Roman Empire. Among the earliest, those built were built by the physician Samson the Hospitable in Constantinople and by St. Basil of Caesarea. Now, the day Christ came into the world changed many things. But the most important thing, of course, was the reason he came was to change the enmity that we have with God into friendship, to transform the alienation that we suffer for reconciliation. And many here today have experienced what a difference a day makes. A day when you come to faith in Christ, it can be the tipping point of your life have you had that life-transforming day when you trusted Jesus as your Savior? I remember the day. I don't remember the date, but I remember the day, the time when a fellow student visited me in my dorm room at Westchester University and explained the gospel to me. I had heard the facts before, but I had never embraced and believed and received the good news of eternal life. I had never stopped trusting my own good works, which were so inadequate and imperfect, until that moment when I trusted Jesus, acknowledging Him as the Savior and Lord of my life. Maybe you can't identify a specific day that you first believed, but the most important thing is that you believe now that Jesus is your Savior and Lord that through, you, through him you have the forgiveness of your sins. I'm one who likes the beginning of a new year. Uh, and this year, especially the end of the old one. But the new year gives opportunities for new commitments. Call them resolutions if you want. But I think it's an opportunity for a fresh start. I think it's an important time to examine the commitments you've already made. There was a day when you made a commitment to your spouse. You need to refresh and renew that commitment. Make sure it's solid. There was a day that you made a commitment to the Lord on the day that you baptized, you had your child baptized. 
How is your commitment there to raise those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? There was a day that you joined the church and you made commitments. It's a good time to re-examine those commitments and make sure they're solid. But most fundamentally to renew your commitment to follow Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Lord of your life. This pastor has been very challenging to everybody, and perhaps even challenging, uh, challenging us in terms of our commitment to Christ, our commitment to following him. You can be sure he's promised. Because of that day so long ago, because of that day the shepherds were told about, because today in the city of David was born a Savior, Christ the Lord. And because there came a day when he died and rose again, today is a new day, a day when you can look to him and believe in him and trust him for his blessing in this new year coming soon. And maybe in 2021, Another great day will come, the day of his return. We don't know when that will be, but that will be a date. There will be a date on the calendar. We don't know what it's going to be, but he is going to come. And let's get ready. Let's be ready. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the fact that there was a day in space and time when our Savior entered history when he came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, born in that humble place, born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, thank you that he perfectly kept the law for us. Thank you that he atoned for our sins, that we might be forgiven for our failures. And thank you that he rose again from the dead to prove the point and to proclaim the victory. And Lord, we thank you for your grace to us. And I ask, Lord, if there's anyone who is not sure of their relationship with you, if they're, if they're not sure that they've put their trust in you, I pray that today would be that day. And then they will see what a difference a day makes. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.